Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of All About Sports, the podcast. Uh, you're joined by your hosts, Aniket, Mazar, Shubham and myself, Rishabh. But today again, we have a very special guest. We're joined today by Leo Tomatsu. Um, Leo is really a multi-sport athlete. He started off with baseball. He started playing baseball in the US when he was in elementary school. Uh, he then moved on to playing in a divisional conference when he was in middle school, playing both in the outfield and then batting at second or sixth and was co-captain. He also played basketball, started in middle school, played AAU basketball in high school in a few varsity games while he was a sophomore. Um, unfortunately, due to um, an injury, he had to stop playing organized basketball. And then into, I think, the third sport that he's also been involved in, which I think is the most interesting to us because we know the least about it, is skiing and snowboarding. So, Leo, you started skiing when you were about five years old. Um, you switched to snowboarding in the fifth grade. And you've basically been been going at it. You even kind of took you you've gone snowboarding in Japan and the East Coast as well as uh, the East Coast of US and Canada. Um, you've you've been to Hokkaido. You've also been a snowboard instructor for a while, teaching kids um, how to snowboard. So, firstly, Leo, awesome to have you on board. Really excited to talk to you about you know sports. Like like we said, we we don't know as much about. Want to learn more about? Um, let me start off by you know a asking how you're doing. And B, when's the last time you went snowboarding? <laughs> well, first off, thank you for the kind introduction. That was probably the best introduction I've ever gotten. So that was cool. Um, and yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm feeling good. It's a Sunday. Um, pretty warm day. It's spring. Uh, can't complain. Um, baseball is back and going. I'm watching the MLB and everything. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah. How's everyone doing? We're all in the in the same boat, I think. Uh, whichever sport, whether it's baseball or some sport, it's uh, the weekends are time to kind of catch up on whatever sport is going on. Then there's usually something <laughs> on. So we've we've been uh, catching up with probably football today and mm. um, a bit <laughs> a bit during the week. But but let me start off. Let me start off with um, going a little bit into you know your your background into each of these sports, Leo. So maybe you know let's let's maybe talk a little bit about you know baseball and and snowboarding specifically. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what got you excited about these sports? What got you into it? Kind of how you got started? Because they're not typically sports that you, you know, especially sporting is not something you can just go to a playground and do. So for me as a child, like, uh, you know, three years old, four years old, I think my dad got me into basically everything. He bought me a baseball mitt. He taught me how to throw a baseball. He taught me how to ski. So it was more of like on the weekends, I would spend time with my dad doing these things. Um, and then as I grew older, um, I would start going to school. I, uh, my parents unwillingly, when I was a kid, I wasn't really outgoing. I was outgoing, but I didn't like starting new things. But my parents put me on baseball teams, soccer teams and whatnot. But I feel like when I was younger, I really liked baseball. Um, and I think when it comes to almost anything that I did when I was younger, I always looked up to like a baseball star or a snowboard star or a ski star. Um, but for me, um, uh, Hideki Matsumoto, or he was a Japanese baseball player on the Yankees that came up. And okay. his, his nickname was uh, Godzilla, right? And, you know, me being a Japanese kid living in the U.S., there, um, I instantly got that uh, nickname which really helped me like make making friends playing baseball and they were like oh Godzilla he's so cool and everything he's on the Yankees now so I think that like further uh enforced me liking sports and making friends and everything so that that's my background I I like sports because one my dad taught me so back then I didn't really 
realized it was important, but now, uh, you know, it, there's more significance behind that. And yeah, I just made friends playing it. So that's why I like it. <laughs> Leo, Leo, you mentioned earlier that you switched over from skiing to snowboarding, right? Mm -hmm. So other than the, you know, cool quotient of <laughs> snowboarding, what, what, what prompted you? Is there, is there any other prompt? And second of all, since you've done both, do you want to elaborate on how different they are? Because I mean, the kind of activities you do on both of them seems slightly different. Um, you know, alpine skiing versus a half pipe is really different. So like, if you want to elaborate on what you found were the differences, because you switched over fairly early, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started off skiing and I think skiing is easier to start off with. Um, so that's the first difference is I think skiing is more intu intuitive. Um, I don't know if a lot of people have been ice skating. I'm guessing not a lot. Maybe rollerblading, that might be more popular. But what I'm trying to get to is skiing is more intuitive because you're standing up straight and the direction that you're facing is the direction that you're going. Um, it's kind of like running, but you now have things under your feet. So it's more intuitive that way. So um, that's one of the first differences I'd mention is it's easier to pick up skiing. So I think that's why my dad uh, started me off with skiing. Um, another thing is snowboarding is relatively new compared to skiing. I think skiing, people have been doing it for like since the 19, I'm going to estimate like 40s or something. It's like, a, it's like an old sport, but um, snowboarding, it's new. It's like if you try to snowboard in a lot of the European mountains, they don't allow snowboarders. They only have skiers. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to snowboarding being a new sport. A lot of people who snowboard are younger. Um, a lot of people who snowboard are less good, per se. <laughs> uh, I would say um, a lot of snowboarders don't have control yet. I, th I think it's so now talking about snowboarding, I think it's pretty hard to actually maintain control while snowboarding um, compared to skiing. With skiing, it's really easy to stop immediately. With snowboarding, it's harder to make that abrupt stop. It, you have to do some quick maneuvers and then stop. While skiing, you can just hit the brakes, if that makes sense. So snowboarding is harder to pick up, but once picked up, and I think this is the key difference between skiing and snowboarding, is skiing, it's easier to pick up. Snowboarding, it's harder to pick up because it's not intuitive, and I'll get to that later. But once you pick it up and once you get past the learning curve, there's more a creativity aspect to it. The way the sport is, it's similar to skateboarding, where there's infinite amount of tricks, of things you can do. I personally found um, Sean White to be super cool. <laughs> so that's why I changed. I thought him spinning around and doing all these things was just like out of this world, honestly. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I had the nickname Tomato because Tomatsu Tomato. And his nickname was Flying Tomato. So naturally, I was like, oh, this is a sign. <laughs> I should do this. Uh, but yeah, I, I really wanted to spin around, jump on rails, jump off uh, jumps, um, and do those things. So that's, yeah, that's why I switched. Hey, are you like us and trying to make your own podcast, but aren't really sure where to get started? Well, when we first began, we didn't really know how to get our podcast out there to the hundreds of different podcast platforms. That's where Anchor comes in. 
Anchor is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting from start to finish. It allows you to record and edit your podcast and then when you're ready to publish, distributes it to a ton of podcasting platforms including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Once you've posted your episode, Anchor tracks listening across platforms and graphs your performance across countries, age groups and platforms. That's how we know that 4% of our listeners are in Hong Kong. If you're listening from Hong Kong right now, well, thank you. And Anchor is totally free. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's a n c h o r.fm to get started. Now back to the pod. I want to give you credit Leo. You also amongst the guests that we've had have had the most unique Uh, nicknames of any athletes that we've had on. I, these are pretty unique. These are pretty, but that's impressive. So, Leo, uh, I know you mentioned that you had you suffered a torn ACL, uh, which affected your snowboarding, and till to date, it has affected you as well in somewhat of a way. Uh, firstly, have you started snowboarding again? And secondly, I also you also told me that. you did not realize that you had broken your knee at at a particular point in time and you went boarding and that's when you got to know that oh i have a broken knee yeah. how on earth did you manage that so just take us through that and also if you have started snowboarding one major question that everyone has is given how dangerous i don't want to use the word dangerous but how uh, let's say a bit more prone to accidents it is uh, do you have a bit of apprehensions when let's say you are doing certain turns or certain jumps or has that created a sort of nervousness or a bit of anxiety when you are boarding yeah for sure so <laughs> about the injury that it's funny um the injury came from basketball i still remember the move um So I have I had this since I was little. I I like this player named Derek Rose. Um he was super quick. Funny enough, he had the same exact injury I did and I watched how he played. So, you know, fair enough. I <laughs> I followed how he played and I played exactly the way he played. I got injured the way he got injured. Anyway. Ouch. Yeah, it was pretty painful. So I I had numerous issues with my ankle as well playing basketball. So I just I thought I just like rolled it or something. And I remember this was during school. So the next that day, I, I remember after that, I was like screaming. I, everyone thought I died. It was funny. Everyone, what the hell happened? And after, after like ten minutes after, I and I calmed down. Um, one of the pl- basketball players mentioned that I might have torn my ACL. And I'm like, ah, I'm probably fine. If I tore my ACL, I feel like it hurt, it'll hurt more or something like that. I I I I thought I just like sprained it or something. Um, the when i got hurt it was at like the campus basketball field and the person that i was speaking to was like oh you're probably fine so i was like okay i'm probably fine um and like two weeks after like two weeks after my injury i was like walking somewhat normal again so i thought i was fine um i started noticing my knee was my knee was weird when i was um i i used to use a skateboard to get around campus cuz uh, I, i went to boston and it's just it's really just like a really long school unnecessarily it's like 2 kilometers or something so i used to use a skateboard um and when i tried to do like a jump trick or something and when i used my right leg to um pr- 
press. They, they call it press or whatever, Ollie. Or, it, it would like lock up. And I thought that was weird. And I tried to play basketball again after like six months and my knee would lock up. And I thought that was weird. Um, and pretty dumb. So after <laughs> like a year, one of my friends was like, hey, you want to go snowboarding? I heard you snowboard. I was like, yeah. And I went snowboarding. It was fine the first few, like during the day it was fine. And during the afternoon after we ate lunch, my knee would just lock up. And every time it locked up, it was pretty painful, I would say. Uh, but I thought it's, it's just, I didn't think of it much. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. I never thought that I tore my ACL, which is pretty strange. And then after I graduated, I went to a uh, I mentioned it to my parents, like my knee blocks up. Um, I didn't really mention it. I thought it was nothing because, you know, five, 10 minutes later, it's fine. And they're like, guys, we should probably check on that. <laughs> Went to the doctor and doctor was telling me, hey, your ACL, PCL, MCL, they're all torn. I'm like, oh, really? That's not great. <laughs> um, and uh, after that, I decided to get a surgery. Um, so the main problem with the surgery I got is that there is a prob probability that I could re like rip those muscles again. It's, it's more likely. And the way I prevent that is I, I train, I, I go to the gym to support all the muscles except that. So I improve my core, I improve my thigh muscle, I improve my calf, I improve every part of the body except my knee. Um, so that's what I did, and that's what I continue to do today. Um, my doctor did mention that I should be careful on uh, – I should not play basketball again. He told me that strictly. And I've I spoken about snowboarding and surfing. Um, those are the two things I was into at that time. Um, he told me I should be careful what, what I do. Um, and during that time, before I hurt my knee, I was doing <laughs> – like pretty large jumps um, where if I would fall off that jump, I would probably break my arm or something like that. So I, I thought to myself, maybe my days of trying tricks during the half pike days are over. But um, once I feel comfortable enough to just go down the mountain like I usually do um, and maybe help some people get better at snowboarding, I can do that. So pivoting a little bit from my injury, um, now speaking about like the safety of snowboarding, again, I think it's really similar to riding a bicycle, not a motorcycle, a bicycle, motorcycle, maybe that's dangerous. But I think with a motor, um, with a bicycle, you can to some degree control how fast you're going, you can control what terrain you're biking on. And it's always smart to wear a helmet, right? You see a lot of people in, in the city not wearing a helmet while riding a bicycle. But, you know, it's probably smarter to wear a helmet. And I would say if you're interested in winter sports, definitely wear a helmet. Um, it's so easy to slip. You can just be walking around with a cup of coffee and then slip and hit your head on ice and then you get a concussion. You know, like I, I've seen that happen to people. Luckily, I've had zero injuries on the snow. Um, and I, I could share some tips and tricks, I guess. Uh, with this, um, if, if anyone's interested in snow sports, I think the first thing you do is wear a helmet. You know, some cool kids might not be wearing a helmet, but, you know, don't, don't get influenced by those people. Wear a helmet. Um, 
there's two benefits. One, you don't crack your head open. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, uh, maybe three. I'm going to make it three. Two, I think helmets are getting cool. Um, when I was doing it, helmets were not cool. They were all bulky, but now they're, they're better designs. And the third part is it keeps you warm. I think they keep you warmer than a, like a knit hat. You know, it, it actually, I think it keeps you warm. So um, if you're, another thing about snow sports is you can be in the conditions of negative 30 degrees or negative 20 degrees. I've done that once in Canada. It was terrible, but I was not cold. <laughs> like everything was freezing. My mask was freezing. My gloves were freezing, but my head was fine. You know, my head was great. So wear a helmet. And the second thing, and I'll stop here, um, is when you're when you when you know you're gonna fall, which happens to everyone, even the best people, you don't want to fall on your hands. That's how you break your that's how you break your wrist. When you're falling over, you want to either land on your butt, which all over but our butts are really well made. <laughs> when you're falling, land on your butt. Or if you're falling frontwards forward. Don't land on your neck. Don't land on your arms. How you, you tuck your arms in. When you're falling and you're like, oh, God, I don't feel comfortable. It's human instinct to put your hands out and try to catch yourself. But that is how you break your wrist. And you don't want to do that. When you feel like you're falling forward while you're, on, you're doing a snow sport, you don't want to put your hands out. You actually want to put your hands in and let your body absorb damage. Um, and that's what I did. Um, and I, I've gone off some pretty scary jumps and rails. And every time I'm like, oh, I'm about to fall, I just put my hands in. Um, so like, what I do is, um, I guess, the Marvel Wakanda back when it when does the X, uh, like a visual cue. That's a really, that's a good way to just do it. Just be like, ah, tuck your arms in and then you will not break your arms. And yeah, that's, that's my two, two tricks. So I'll have it and tuck your arms in. <laughs> Leo, one thing that, that I'm interested to know about is uh, what would be the barriers to entry for a sport like this? Uh, mainly in terms of like, I would imagine a sport like this would be expensive in terms of buying the equipment, the gear. If someone just wants to take up a sport like snowboarding, uh, what are the sort of costs that they're looking at in, in, in just buying the helmet or, or, the, or the board and the gear that you need? Sure. Um, so this, this depends on like a lot of things, um, but I could tell you what I, what I did, um, what, I, what I recommend is um it, so i think i recommend the first thing is do is just try the sport out right um i would recommend just trying the sport out just rent for a day um i recommend renting obviously you need the board you need the boots um i rec i highly recommend getting the helmet um and i also recommend um renting out these uh the snow equipment so like the jackets the pants um, and I highly, highly, highly recommend getting good socks. I, I can't like two pairs of socks because, oh my God, there are so many times where snow would get in my boots. My socks are cold, but wait a minute. If I go back, I have a second pair and it just like changes your quality of life. So whatever, before you do anything, buy a good pair of socks. Cause you will thank me later. Buy a good pair of socks. And then my second thing would be just try the sport out, rent it for a day. Um, and with renting, um, there, there are some couple tricky things, but I could give you some uh, information about it. Um, so for a snowboard specifically, this applies to surfing and skating. Uh, there's, there's a thing called a stance. 
Um, so there are two stances. There's the regular and goofy. And this used to confuse me when I was younger. But if you're a right-handed person, more than likely you're a regular stance. If you're a left-handed person, more than likely you're a goofy stance. There's another way to test this, um, but it really only works if you, it happens to you unexpectedly. But I'll tell you anyway, this is what I do with like the kids I taught is you need two people. Um, you need one person that, you need one person standing in front of you, another person standing behind you. Um, and what you do, so I'm the instructor and there's like a student, right? Um, oh, that's the scenario. And I ask the student, close your eyes and just st stand straight up tall, right? And they're standing tall. And then I, out of nowhere, I just push them enough where they either catch themselves with their leg. And this is the key point is when, when I push the student and then the, the student's left foot comes out first, then that person is a regular stance person. And the other hand, if the right hand comes out first, they're a goofy person. They're a goofy stance person. And this only works if they're like unexpectedly happens. Um, and now, like, if you try to do it now, you're going to like think about it. Like, am I a left or a right person? You know what I mean? But another way to think of it is um, let's just say you need to jump over a hurdle. Which leg are you going to use? Um, if you're using your left foot, then you're a regular stance. If you're a right foot, you're a goofy stance. And um, I, I did track and I also jumped off for my left foot and I was a regular stance. But anyway, when you're renting out gear, just remember that uh, regular and goofy stance. Um, you'll, yeah, oh, you're welcome. Because <laughs> I, I got the wrong gear once and I had to go back and be like, sorry, I'm not a goofy, I'm a regular. And it's like, oh, okay. New people do this all the time. Well, now you won't do this. <laughs> but anyway, so that's the first thing is just trying out the sport. I would also recommend getting an instructor on your first day. Um, putting the gear together, like where, how, how to wear the boots, how to put the snowboard on, how to act on the slopes, like, oh, and the daily rental, just a little uh, tip on the costs. If you rent at the resort or the hotel, it is going to be more expensive than the little store 10 minutes out from the resort. The little store 10 minutes out from the resort, it's inconvenient, but they will give you more personal service. They'll probably know what they're doing and they'll probably be cheaper. Um, so it's good to help local business, yada, yada, yada. But once you get past that, I would recommend um, rent. Before you buy, I'd recommend at least renting your board for a year. Um, and this applies more to if you have a child that is interested in snow sports. Uh, because your child, I'm assuming, will, be, will grow. <laughs> they'll, be, um, they'll be taller. Um, and the length of your board... To, is determined by how, how tall you are. So if you you know if you're buying equipment for a five year old, you can use it only use it for like a year or two. So like it'll make sense to rent one anyway. Um, but if you're like yeah, if you're like serious about I want to learn how to do this, um, I would recommend renting for a year. Um, that's a pretty good way to do it. Um, I'd recommend renting uh, a board, a boot, and maybe a helmet. I would say buying your own goggles would be cost like beneficial. Um, and here's why: with goggle, with snow sports, one of the main me nuances was that I'm wearing glasses now. But if if you wear glasses, you know what I mean. It gets foggy and you can't see anything in front of you. 
And with snow sports, that happens more often than not because you're in a cold environment, you're breathing out of your nose and mouth, and your goggles can be e easily fogged up. You can't see in front of you, which is quite scary if you're snowboarding, it's blizzard, and your goggles are foggy. You can't see in front of it. Your goggles are so foggy that your goggles now have mists in, in it, and that mist is frozen, and now you can't you wear your goggles, but you can't see in front of you. <laughs> All this, it turns into a big mess. So I would recommend buying your own goggles. And if you have the extra funds, maybe buying your own jacket uh, might be, be pretty beneficial as well. So yeah, that's my recommendation. <laughs> so what's the total cost approximately, Leo, for hmm. renting for a year? Just the snowboard, for example, for a year. I would say that's, uh, that's a hard question. Um, but Let's say the say, basic ones for beginners. So not yeah. someone who's really in us in usd i would say expect at least 300 to 500 for half a year maybe realistically 500 to 700 for a, for like a year rental i would say it's That's rather expensive it's pretty expensive uh, i'm not gonna lie to you and the costs keep adding up more where um go you know a day a day trip at a resort could go up to 40 bucks to 70 bucks per day so it's pretty expensive there are you know there's like coupons there's like season passes you can get to make it cheaper but it is not the most cost-effective sport i would say and you you mentioned um about the size of the board just sort of out of curiosity i'd like to know um does the size of a board lead to an advantage or a disadvantage like is it like a bigger board can be advantages as compared to a smaller board is there anything like that yeah, totally. Um, so in short, when you stand up, you want a board around your chin. That's like kind of like, you know how like baseball or maybe even cricket, there's a, there's a trick to determine what kind of bat size you want. Um, for snowboarding, it's your chin. That's, that's like an indicator of where you want it. Um, and to get specific, the larger the board, the faster you go. The shorter the board, the more control you have. Um, and that's like really broad because uh, um, snowboards can have, they're called cambers, right? Um, so a snowboard looks flat in the beginning. But if you look at the minor details on the board, they're either a W shape or a V shape. And that also changes what you want to do. Uh, with a W shape, you have like a more of an all-around board where you can go fast and you can also do tricks. That's what I have. With a V-shaped board, that's more for tricks, jumps. That gives you the most, uh, where it gives you the most pop when you apply pressure to your board. And that's how like people do tricks and stuff. But that's like another thing to look at. But I would say for beginners, somewhere around your chin is what, where you want the board to be. Um, and for a little bit more advanced people, if you're looking into racing or going faster, a little bit bigger board would be better. If you're looking into doing tricks or having more control of your board, like some, sometimes I, I've ridden a larger board and it does feel like I don't have as much control. And if you want more control, a, a smaller board. So Leo, now moving on to the other sport which you've played, you know, you've been, You've been into baseball also for a while. Um, so one question I wanted to ask was, it kind of seems like it's hit a rough patch in the States in terms of popularity. Uh, the MLB um, had this uh, project in India as well, where they tried to, uh, you know, 
kind of garner eyeballs on the sport from india so what do you think is behind this kind of slump in baseball in the states yeah that's a that's a fair question and a good question and i honestly think that there there appears to be a slump in baseball in general because of mlb um so i i think the problem is not the sport itself based on so i i still live in i live in new jersey now and if i it's baseball season now and if i go on i have a dog and when i walk my dog near baseball parks i always hear people playing and you know around reasonable time so like 3 p.m. to like 7 p.m. is usually when i walk i usually hear people playing baseball and that's like the little league which is like the younger kids or like you know the dad league which are like adults playing so i i think that um the general amount of people playing baseball may have decreased a little bit but i still think it's you know it's still pretty popular and arguably it's still like america's sport is what you know people term it but i think the real problem lies in mlb itself um so like the mlb organization i think a lot of people have a little bit of a distaste of mlb at this point um because quite si- simply put they're a little bit of a corrupt organization um they always have some political thing going on they always have money issues they always have um refs doing really weird stuff um stuff like that and i, th- I think that really hurts the professional sport um and i think that's why it's hard for people to really support MLB um in general uh, but i think people still watch it i still watch it because i i i like the i like the teams i like the players um i i follow players still um like you darvish big fan there is a little bit of a problem with the MLB at the moment and yeah that's my honest opinion on why i think uh at least professional baseball is um uh, struggling a little bit do you leo do you also think the viewership has come down because do you think it's because of all the reasons you mentioned or do you think that now people just don't want to go out and maybe i mean yeah of course given the pandemic there were no crowds that's a different issue altogether but even before that we saw we weren't seeing stadiums filling out fully and do you think it's because of all the reasons you said or also because nine innings now seem too long uh, yeah so yeah i i agree um so me personally i like baseball because there are nine innings um because there's a beginning a middle and end and um for an avid viewer we we enjoy the beginning middle and end but the the fact that there are parts that are slow and there's reasons why it's slow and stuff like that um but for you know like uh a, a new viewer which understandably would rather watch um a basketball I mean, maybe some people say basketball game is boring maybe watch a soccer game which is a little bit more exciting than a baseball game and i think that's very understandable um and, but i do i do think that um the viewership is dropping because well at least for baseball viewership the commentating has differed a little bit um they used to be more fun now it's more analytical um the announcers have to be careful what they say and stuff like that um so this this is this whole like weird thing going on in baseball at the moment and i i think that does uh 
to me personally, I think that's what is hurting more than the nine inning itself. So the reason why I asked that question, Leo, is because in cricket we have three formats now. So you have a case where you have the the classical cricket, which is Test cricket, which goes on for five days. So it's three sessions per day, and it's basically an endurance test and a fitness test for the players. Then you have a shorter format, which is fifty overs, which basically goes on for half a day. Uh, and then you have the twenty overs, which is the hot new trend in cricket, so to speak, which is also the cash cow for the sport around the world. So that's why I was just asking that question to see if maybe having a shortened version in baseball, let's say a three inning, three maybe too short, maybe a five to six inning. Uh, match would probably increase viewership and make the sport more exciting. For us personally, we're all suckers for the longest format of cricket, so I, we can understand where you are coming from for baseball as well with the nine-inning uh, thing. Yeah. Also, uh, one thing that Mazhar brought up about cricket, I I know for a fact that in the US uh, they are making attempts for cricket as a sport to grow and and be adopted on on a wider scale. um and i think they are also focusing on bringing in the major cricket league which will be like sort of like the ipl the indian premier league that happens here like mazhar mentioned the t20 format which is the cash cow and most exciting format so uh, just out of curiosity i'd like to know the fact that cricket is making inroads in the usa and is slowly growing as a sport uh, do you think that could also potentially um hamper baseball because there are some similarities to the sport in uh, obviously cricket there's a bowler and baseball is a pitcher but there are like certain similarities in the way the game is played and with t20 especially being so fast being a 3 hour game and very very exciting and baseball being a longer game do you think that can potentially uh, uh hamper the sport um i would not say it would hamper it i would help i think i would honestly think it will help it grow um, i think baseball can help cricket grow cricket can help baseball grow um and i think there are two different entities mainly because of uh, the the fan base um i think ml like baseball in general just has like a strong like almost like cultural tradition almost it feels like like um i went through it it's like if if you have a boy or a girl they will and if they like sports um they when they're like 5 6 7 and 8 they will join a little league um and then once they're done with the little league they'll join a traveling league and stuff like that. So like we kind of well you know me I I moved a lot moved around a lot but based on my experience I think there's like a culture of growing up with baseball and I'm I'm guessing there's a similar thing with cricket in India as well. That being said um the US now has a re- a new sport called lacrosse. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um it's kind of like hockey but running around without ice. Um and hockey and lacrosse they're you know two similar sports but they help each other why because they play in two different seasons and hockey players usually play lacrosse and lacrosse players usually play hockey similarly i think cricket could do a similar thing um who knows what happens but baseball is like a spring sport and it, i think it would be really hard to really overtake that um i i don't see that happening but if cricket could be a summer sport then baseball players would most definitely play cricket in the summer and the cricket players can have the option to play um baseball in the spring and this is a quick quick note um in the US uh sports are in a rotation so there's a spring sport 
there's a summer sport, there's a fall sport, so there's a winter sport. So I think that right now, yeah, spring sport is baseball, and there's not really like a sport that like you know you use a bat and a ball during the summer. So maybe cricket can. I I play cricket, and it's definitely more fun. It's definitely more active than baseball. So I think cricket in the summertime kind of naturally fits into place. If you know, hopefully that happens. That'll be cool. So Leo, I'm just just for our viewers and our listeners, just curious to know what is the average speed of an MLB or an international baseball pitcher when it comes to throwing a fastball? What would be the average speed of? Let's yeah, say, yeah. So a good baseball player, right? A good pitcher could throw around, and he's good at the fastball. Would be 95 to 100 miles per hour. Uh, I don't know what that's in km. Um, I can look that up really quickly. Hold on. And, and what's the so distance? So miles be- per hour. I'm doing the same. I'm doing the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and what would be the distance? One sixty. Oh wow. One sixty. Yeah. Uh, and what would be the distance between the mound to the home uh, plate? Ooh, that's a good question. I actually don't know the exact. I gotta Google that. If you don't mind me doing that. <laughs> so because why I'm asking is because. In cricket, I'm not sure if you are aware, the average speed of a bowler, like a fast bowler, ranges around, you said 160 kilometers per hour. So that would be around 140 in cricket, but it's 22 yards between the, let's say the bowling crease to when the ball actually arrives at the batsman. So so, so baseball seems to be like 60 feet and six yep. inches. Yep. I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, mine's also from Googling. I definitely did yeah. this on the top of my no, no, head. No, no, no. <laughs> so, well, well, so 60 feet would be how many yards? I have no idea. What's that? I think that's the Google that again. No, this is important. So 20 yards. Okay, so, it's, so, yards, so this yards. is very important because that draws a lot of similarities between the two sports. It's again, a, you, it's again another British versus American sort of thing going on yeah. here. So, so it's not that any Would anyone have any idea what's the fastest ball bowled in cricket? Sean Tate, and, uh, 160. Oh, no, Mitchell Stark, 160? I don't know, but it was 160. No, I think, I think, I think Sean Tate bowled 160 plus once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah exactly. One, be the baseball? It's faster in baseball. He said the average speed is around 100 miles per hour for a fastball. Yeah, well, like, yeah, they have to be really good, but yeah. And... Well, I actually don't know too specific about cricket, but I think the thing that may be distinguished between cricket and uh, baseball is, I could be wrong, is baseball, there's different kinds of balls you can throw. I don't know if ball, like, are there curve balls in cricket? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they are. Okay, that's interesting. So it's, so we have spin bowling. So that, that, and the spinners can pretty much do anything. They'll take the ball away from the batsman. They'll take it into the batsman. They'll bowl such a slow delivery, which is like the fork ball in a way. So uh, a lot of similarities. And that's why I asked you all these questions, because like you said, Leo, I think that backs up what you said, that they can be supportive or supplement each other rather than hampering each other in the US. So, yeah. It it, it is funny, again, all from just Googling right now. So the fastest 
uh, and and Leo, correct me if I'm way off base here, if I've not done my Googling correctly, but the fastest base MLB pitch seems to be about 108 miles per hour, the fastest one, which is Nolan Ryan. Um, and that's about 173, 173.8. And the cricket's fastest, I think, is around like 161.3. So definitely definitely fast the fastest of mlb is definitely the faster than the fastest of cricket and probably the pitching also makes a, a you know probably makes a big difference in cricket the fact that it hits the ground versus baseball it's it's mm. straight on but um, but krishna to be fair the speed is recorded not at the speed at which it arrives at the batsman it's recorded when the ball is released so oh that's oh. fair that's fair then that's it's fair so the action is so different i think for baseball the ball like to throw the ball would be like easy as compared to cricket in terms of speed because the action is very different in cricket your, uh, your hand has to go over your head but in baseball it's from the side yeah like, you can do whatever so, you want yeah no but uh, so by the, by the way exactly go ahead so I, i'm going to i'm going i'm going to, I'm going to take so every indian knows how to bowl a ball like every indian is just, but you should see these ceremonial pitches by celebrities and you know the oh. mlb games this is some of the most horrible throws I've ever seen of anything. Like, I don't some know. Some of like, them don't make it. Some of them don't make it. <laughs> forget, forget making it. Okay, making it is like some. I think uh, a lot of people would find it difficult wow. to you know <laughs> uh, to to uh, have a fastball um, bowled over twenty two yards. It's it's slightly difficult. I'll be honest. It's not the easiest thing to do. But yeah, you you can just you know <laughs> roll one arm over and bowl. Maybe shorten the pitch, but throwing, I think throwing directly to home plate is kind of more difficult because you don't have any, you're not targeting the ground. There's no angle. You're not putting it at an angle onto the ground, which is going to hit uh, uh, the stumps, so to say. But I, just just and from what I've observed that the celebrity pitches, that the ceremonial pitches at the beginning of MLB games, I, I assume there's something happening over there, which we are not aware of because Every person I know can bowl a cricket ball. Check out a- Acon's, not not Acon's, sorry, 50 cent ceremonial pitch. It is horrendous. <laughs> it's all over the place. And I think, like you said, Gui, the, the margin for error is so small in baseball, right? It's it's such a small area that you need to hit in for it to be a, I guess, valid ball. Um, unless, of course, someone swings at it. But it, the margin for error is so tiny. Um, as yeah. compared to cricket where, it's, where, where there's um, a lot more space. But... But Unless you are Lasit Malinga, Krishnan, then they, they, I think Lasit Malinga is literally the only, you know, for a fact that he can go into baseball and be successful as a pitcher. Leo, he's what the one cricketer who who bowls like this. Every other cricketer has to kind of go above their head. Uh-huh. There's one cricketer who simply bowls kind of from the side, which yeah, is his very name unique. Is the you don't awesome. see that at all at all. That's like, yeah, that's because awesome. he, he I always like those pitchers, more. the weird ones. <laughs> Oh, he's, I think he's the epitome of weird, when it comes to like talking about weird, I think he's at the epitome of it when it comes to cricketers. So. Also, also the epitome of hitting like a very, very small target because he's known for bowling exactly at the bowl, uh, batsman's feet. So oh. it's kind of like on command, like you want him to do it. Like if he wants to do it, he's going to, it's called a Yorker in cricket. I, I don't know why I'm saying this. No, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Leo plays the cricket, so like, this is handy on, for him. Yeah. I also just wanted to clarify, um, is there a rule um, in with regards to pitching that your uh, the release of the ball has to be 
above your shoulder or something like that. No, right? I I don't think the rules in baseball get weirdly complicated at some points, but I don't think so. They can they, you can throw it above like above your head or like next to your ear. You can throw it sidearm. You can some people throw it underhand. Like you can do. They don't, not a lot of people do underhand, but you can do basically whatever you want. I think at that point. Yeah, one one guy bowled a very famous underarm delivery in cricket, and they've not heard the end of it ever since. Wow, yeah. that's hard. That's yeah. hard. I, I, like, and that goes like a hundred kilop, like a hundred six. No, no. Oh, so the, the purpose that, of that, that was, ball was that was probably not even fifty miles per hour. <laughs> oh <laughs> that wow, that was probably not even fifty miles per hour. So I actually wanted to ask a question for cricket. So in in baseball, there's so much emphasis on pitching, right? Where the batters honestly can't hit it, and out of ten times, if a batter can hit it three times, he's considered really good, almost the MVP. Is that is it a similar story in cricket as well, where no one can hit the ball? No, it's a lot more favoriting. It's a lot more offensively favored. Ah, uh, so I, I think, think that baseball is almost yeah. That's the that's the, the key difference between and which makes cricket honestly more enjoyable to watch for uh, like a tax standpoint. About a decade and a half ago, two twenty or two thirty runs in fifty overs. It's a good score. Now, if you're scoring two mm-hmm. thirty, it's a low score in fifty overs. You need to be closer to three hundred for it to be you know a challenging total for the other team to match. So the rules have also you know tumbled over in a sense to help. Achieve a higher total, higher batting total, because that's what kind of makes the game more exciting. Like you need to score more runs, so you are forced to hit more. And so, I would, I would argue, you know, the equivalent of a home run in cricket, which is like a six in a sense, right? In in probably three hundred pitches, I would argue having fifteen home runs is not shocking. It's not. Oh wow! Yeah, per it game. wouldn't be per game. Yeah, in three hundred pitches, like having fifteen would not be. that crazy i don't think it's it's definitely a lot easy and it it kind of goes to the fact that because it has to hit the ground like mazar was saying you know the release might be really quick even for the quick bowlers the release might be really quick but by the time it's getting to you it's pitching it's massively slowing down and the the bat is also just wider right it's a flat bat as compared yeah to i remember the yeah part. yeah so there's actually more to that as well i was just thinking about it now that you brought it up apart from all of this also it's the number of chances that a batsman has in cricket as compared to baseball in baseball i mean if you are lucky you'll get balls thrown at you and then you'll get four balls and then you get a walk so you get a right. free run anyway in cricket you miss the ball there's no penalty for the batsman uh it, unless you actually, unless it hits the unless thing, yeah. yeah it unless it yep. hits the stumps that we have or maybe if the bat the batsman actually hits it with his gloves or his bat and then it's caught directly by a fielder uh i mean so there's just so many more chances for a batsman in cricket than there is in baseball and also the another key difference is that there's a rotation basis for the batsman so like you never really out in baseball so as long as i mean it's three outs for the inning but that same batsman can come back and play in the next inning once that entire rotation changes in cricket you're out once you're out you're out so there's no getting back so that's another major difference that's yeah that's extremely i think that that's where like strategies in baseball and cricket just start diverging which makes it really interesting and i'm sure like 
I even think this whole summer, spring and summer, like baseball cricket thing might even work because of the difference. And I'm sure a lot of baseball players, they're just tired of striking out or they just want to play cricket. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, but, it's a good way yeah. to release some stress as well. And I, I genuinely think it, it would be beneficial for batters in baseball as well because it could definitely improve their potential slugging averages. Yeah, for sure. That, that's cool. And yeah, just hearing that, like the, the, w- the way I watch baseball now and when I watch cricket um, would be significantly different now because I feel like baseball is such a defensive sport. Um, the pitcher technically only has, you know, four balls or uh, three strikes. So he has to be each pitch carries there's more pressure in each pitch um and the margin of error is so high because the next batter might not even hit um while in cricket it's more offense 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 but if you're ever out you're out of the game which yeah that's that's cool that's (laughs) that's scary if i feel like if if a cricket player player is ever out their fans hate him for a week or something Oh, if they don't score too much, yeah, it's it's. A <laughs> you've been kind, Leo. You've been kind. We, <laughs> I, I'm not so nice. I, I, I will be no, like I genuinely. I myself don't cut a player so much slack because the demands are just so high. It, I, and I guess it's very similar in terms of Indians demanding performances from their cricket players is like maybe the Canadian ice hockey team demanding a gold mm. every time they go out there and play as well so gotcha or so, the u.s basketball team <laughs> yeah u.s basketball i, I don't US think that's a demand i think that's a given if you don't manage to do that then what are you even doing there <laughs> it's like uh, it's one of those no i i was gonna say leo leo th- thank you so much i think the moment we start going to cricket we can completely um go for hours and hours and hours on that comparison we want to get credit for if anything happens in terms of a summer cricket league we want to get credit for it and some payment for sure who was listening <laughs> um but but with that leo thank you so much for coming on really fun to discuss sports that we know so little about and really want to expand our you know mind and understanding of these sports so thank you so much for coming on uh thank you so much for listening if you did like this episode do like share subscribe and leave in you know leave in a comment what other sports you want us to cover there any other things that you'd like for us to take on with we're always willing to you know learn more about some sport and bring it to our broader audience with that thank you so much stay tuned for more episodes weekly um and stay safe take care thanks <laughs>